Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, your source for Texas Longhorns news, sports, and opinions with a little bit of snark mixed in. And before we get started, if you like what we do, it'd really mean a ton to us if you would rate, leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you find the show. Share it with a friend, share it with a loved one. But I am joined this week, like I am every week, by a man whose words drip like candle wax. Mr. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty apt uh, intro this week. I apologize in advance if there's anything else dripping. I'm getting over uh, getting over about a week of being sick, so uh, try to keep it sultry, but uh, without any extra drippage. <laughs> I, just, I just thought you were doing your best Barry White. It actually sounds fantastic. Uh, thanks, man. May just have you do some some drops. So this week we're coming off a bye. So uh, Texas found a way not to lose on a bye week. That's always my fear is we end up with a suspension or something like that. But no losses this bye week. Uh, so we'll do a quick Iowa State preview. And then I've got a couple little notes about some ladies athletics. This isn't just a Texas football podcast. I mean, that's that's the big moneymaker. But, but the other sports are important too. So Texas takes on Iowa State this Thursday. Thursday, so just three days from the the time of recording, Thursday night game at Jack Trice Stadium in Ames, Iowa. So it is a uh, it is a predominantly lopsided series. Uh, Texas controls the series 12 and two, but those two losses came in the last six years. Uh, the last four games have kind of been a really weird back and forth. Texas won in a blowout last year. Iowa State won in a blowout two years ago. The, uh, the two previous wins were by Texas, but a combined four points on last second scores. One was a field goal by everybody's favorite, Nick Rose. And, uh, the other one was with 45 seconds left on the clock. Case McCoy pushes over the end zone to go up by one and cinch the game. So Kyle, Ames is like playing on Mars. It is such a weird new experience for a lot of players. A lot of these guys' first true, um, you know, Big Twelve road game they played obviously in the Coliseum, but but conference play is different. So Kyle, what do you think this short week, this weird Thursday night situation is going to do to the team? Yeah, uh, for the for the young guys, for the for the people who've never made the trip, the freshman and sophomore, uh, you'll say you don't know Jack. Uh, Jack Trice Stadium is a is a weird place. Uh, weird things happen in the cornfields of Iowa. You saw Iowa almost upset Penn State, uh, who is a very 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 good team this year. Uh, this week on Saturday, um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a it's an atmosphere. There's there's a history of of. Uh, underdogs coming through and kind of making an upset there and, and uh, winning games they shouldn't have. Iowa certainly has that reputation in Iowa State as well. Um, like just a couple kind of parallels on, on that team in this. Uh, our beloved Tom Herman coached, uh, coached in Ames, one of his stops before here, uh, really took a team that was very bad and kind of this little mini renaissance they've had is, is in part, I'm not going to give him all the credit, but in part, Due to him and what what Chiswick did, so a couple Texas guys there. But uh, the last time Tom Herman coached in Ames at Jack Trice Stadium uh, was when the Cyclones upset the national title hopeful uh, Oklahoma State uh, Cowboys in uh, 2015, I believe, 37 uh, 31. And it was another weird day game, is on a Friday. So weird stuff happens there, in, uh, and a lot of teams don't want to go play in there. It's. I remember Mac Brown saying something about the. You have to stay thirty miles from the 
from the hotel or uh, the hotel 30 miles from the stadium and like the kids are you know looking out into cornfields when they're used to the big city and so it's just a weird mental place to be and so the team's gonna have to come out uh and be ready because you know iowa state is yeah, and I think the the other thing is is this is a team with zero expectations this year, and they've already defied those expectations. This is a team that wasn't expected to be any good, and they're like one bad overtime quarter away from being three and zero and upsetting Iowa in that rival game. So I think that that to me is is terrifying. That to me is really really worrisome. And again, I hate playing Iowa State. I've always hated playing Iowa State. They they have been on on the birth of being an upset for several Texas teams for. for like ruining season type upsets where where you're standing there in the stands or on the sidelines or watching it at home and you just cannot believe what is happening so they they always play texas tough it's always kind of their super bowl uh because again a team like this we saw it this past weekend you know with with oklahoma state getting upset and and ou almost being upset you know that you play a team that has a lot less to play for than you do and they're going to come out uh and smack you so kyle what what uh, there's a lot of different variables in this, but I guess the big question is, you know, Texas can really turn around the season with a win here. They can really set up Big 12 play with the win. They can pull to 500. So what are some things that Texas needs to do to get a W in, in Ames on a Thursday night? Well, uh, if everyone remembers before the bye week, uh, we were really singing the praises of the Texas defensive performance. The offense was a little bit uneven, uh, but the defense looked incredible against what was a very high-powered and star-studded USC offense. So what we really want to see is uh, if that Texas defense is a real deal. This is going to be the start of Big 12 play, and they can set the tone and the precedent for what they can do against um, a pretty wide-open team and a team that puts up a lot of points. I believe Iowa State's averaging over 40 points a game, uh, and that's the first time they've uh, or they've scored 40 points as well um, in each of their each of their games, and they've put over, put up over 400 yards uh, in six straight games, which is a school record for them. So this isn't this is a team that uh, will give Texas more of a test than than people are maybe giving giving credit for. Um, beyond just the weirdness of of going in and playing on the road in their home stadium, this is actually a pretty talented team. I mean, uh, by transitive property, if if you believe in such things, you know the the Penn State team that. Uh, was given everything they could handle by Iowa. Iowa equally was, like you said, one uh, kind of off uh, period of, of an overtime uh, from losing to Iowa State. So, I mean, I'm not saying Iowa State is the exact same caliber as Penn State, but they're not a, they're not a, you know, this is not a San Jose State. They're not a, a you know, non-Power 5 kind of throwaway team. This is, and, and in years past, they've kind of served some of that role in the Big 12. They're, they're not cellar dwellers they are a a legitimate legitimate team um who has some weapons on there uh, what what are you looking for uh or what are you what are you watching in this one well and and you said that you know Iowa State is or you know Iowa State we talked about is one bad overtime period away from from being uh you know 3 and 0 Texas is is one bad overtime period away from being you know, two and one and, and upsetting the number four team in the nation. So I think uh, you hit on it early. I think the defense has to set the tone. I think uh, we saw it against USC. The defense set the tone. The offense finally found a way to catch up. So I think that for me is is huge. And we'll talk about it more in, in banging the drum a little bit at the end. But I think, you know, the big the big thing for me is, is can the Texas defense hold up? This is, a, this is an Iowa State team that's, like you said, putting up. They're averaging 460 yards a game. 
eight point, I think it's eight point eight point three, excuse me, yards per completion through the air. They're averaging over the year, so that's just nuts. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, Texas's pass defense has not been its strong suit over the last two three years. You know, there's some guys in the in the secondary that that have haven't played up to their billing, and so I think. If Texas can control the pass game, because they're going to control the run. We've seen that now for, for two straight games. They're going to control the point of attack. Their, their line is going to do its job. They've got so much talent, so much size, you know, in the front three. And then, the you know, the, the linebackers, the three linebackers they have are so ridiculously talented. It's going to come down to me defensively, the secondary. I think the offense is going to find its rhythm. I think Herman's saying all the right things about being a power running team and being a power running team. And I think that's the other kind of the other side of it is that. You know, Texas has to run the ball. In in Iowa State's two wins this year, their two wins, uh, they they have held the opposing team without a hundred yard rusher. In the loss to Iowa State, they they gave up 116 yards to one player. On the flip side, Texas's two losses this year didn't have a hundred yard rusher. In the win, they had uh, they had a hundred yard rusher. Chris Warren hit 116. So I think those are to me that's the two things is is running and, and pass defense. And and I will be very curious to see how Chris Warren gets over a hundred yards on three carries. But you know if he if he can do that if <laughs> if they're going to keep that distribution, I think obviously that's a game plan. And that's uh, you would never think a good time for a bye week uh, this early and, and before Iowa State necessarily. I do kind of love that we have a bit of a, a shorter. Uh, not a full bye week, so we almost get the time after a Thursday game to uh, to get a little mini short bye for the next week, so we split it a little bit. But you would never think, oh, before Iowa State, great time for a bye week. But it really is it's a good time to get uh, just a little bit healthier and a good time to get uh, to get a little more focus on, on how they're going to call and how they're going to use some of the weapons they have, uh, namely one Chris Warren. Like you said, establishing the run is going to be so important and getting him the ball, getting the ball in his hands. Uh, taking the, the ball out of either your freshman or, or, or sophomore quarterback's hands uh, as much as you can and put it in, in a guy who's pretty proven at this point with a good track record uh, and letting Chris Warren go out and eat. Um, there, there, is, uh, there is, I think, a upside as well uh, for either of these quarterbacks. Uh, what I've seen in, in looking at some of the Iowa State tape is, is they're generating a pass rush, so they're going to put a little pressure. Uh, but if you can withstand that and our line can hold that, which our line will be a big question mark everyone wants to see heading into this game. Um, but their secondary is getting toasted this year. They've given up 10 uh, uh, touchdowns so far through three games and uh, just a hair under 900 yards um, against uh, Iowa, who's not a historic pa- powerhouse passing team, directional Iowa, which um, I know we played directional California last week, but uh, Northern Iowa, the fighting Cor- Kurt Warners aren't, uh, aren't exactly that. Um, and then, and then Akron. So, I mean, not really three powerhouses and they've just been getting, getting torqued. So I think Texas is going to have a lot more talent in that receiving game. You saw a guy like Colin Johnson, like what can they do with that? Um, so I, I think the Texas offense has a chance to really go out and, and we've talked about the defense and what they need to do, but the Texas offense, both, both running and then, and then also, uh, with our receivers and, and whichever quarterback we have in there, have a chance to go and really, uh, really make a statement for the, for the tone for the rest of the season. But that said, what do you think about, uh, quarterbacks? Who do you think, who do you think, uh, lines up and what are your thoughts on that? Uh, Vince Young. No, <laughs> I think there are, uh, there are, there are pros and cons to both. I think, I think if Bouchelle is healthy, I want to see them go with him. I think as great as Ellinger was against USC, I think Bouchelle has, a, has a better long ball at this point. I think that's something that they're going to need against, against Iowa State. You know, um, you, you did say that Iowa State's generating a pass rush. So if, it gets to the situation where you need to scramble, then obviously Ellinger's your guy, uh, which means I'm hedging my bets and saying, I don't know, but I think my <laughs> gut, my, my gut probably tells me Bouchelle. I think 
Bouchelle probably wasn't 100% against USC. And I think, you know, Ellinger at 100 and, and Bouchelle at, at 75 gives you a better chance. You know, Ellinger gives you a better chance to beat USC. So I think with that extra week off, uh, you know, some extra time, I think Bouchelle gets to 100%. There's a reason why he was he was the number one going into the season. There's a reason why yeah. that even with the injury, they're still giving him more reps with the first team. You know, do I, do I still think that by the end of the year? Maybe not. But I think at this point, Ellinger has showed us, you know, outside of a really weird, terrible game against... You you know, Maryland open the season. I think Bouchelle has has a proven track record of, of these big games. So yeah, I, I agree with that. I think uh, there's there's kind of a reason that that Herman said you know Bouchelle hasn't done anything to lose the number one spot, and uh, and it kind of the way you, that statement reads is it's his to lose. Correct? You know, it's Ellinger can come in and do some great things, but I mean, it's really still Shane's. Um, I think it's great that they're pushing each other, and I think there is going to be some. Uh, packages where we see both and also some herd packages in there. So we're going to see some, some kind of diversity at the quarterback, uh, this year. But I do think that you got to keep it healthy and keep it a little consistent. You don't want to turn it into anything gadgety and, and, um, you want to be able to be flexible, run pass with whatever quarterback you have in there. Uh, but I think Michelle, uh, is going to do that. And, I, and like I said, to go back a little bit, I think. You saw what he could do with Foreman in the threat of a running game and his ability to throw the deep ball too fast and talented receivers. So if they can set up the the threat of the run, set up the play action pass, he gets the deep ball. He's got, you know, the Foremans, the Colin Johnson, uh, the DuVernay, the, uh, you know, just all these Hempel maps, all these guys who've, who've uh, got every tool and, and ready to go out and show it. Then then I think this is this is the scary type of offense that, uh, that we thought in the offseason that we might have. But I, I do think that so far from what I've seen that, for that, firing on all soldiers in Texas at its best, at its apex, it's going to have Bouchelle at quarterback. But uh, I, I am not at all down on Ellinger. I think, I think there's, a, there's a bright future for that kid, and he'll keep pushing uh, for that starting spot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, there's a reason why they didn't name a starter until week one because mm-hmm. it was such a close competition. So, you know, I think it's – it's I don't want to call it an embarrassment of riches because I don't know if either of them are, are making us money at this point at the quarterback position, but I do think uh, it's it's a it's a decent position to be in. You know, I would rather have somebody like a Darnold or a Rosen back there, obviously. But, you know, if we've, if we've got two guys that need to be serviceable, I think we've got two really serviceable guys back there. So one thing I do want to highlight, Kyle, and, and, you know, you put this in the show notes is uh, getting pressure on the quarterback. That's been a big difference maker for Texas. They got in Sam Darnold's sizable head in, in the Coliseum. <laughs> they, there's a lot of real estate, and they took up as much as they could. You know, they, they had their best game of, for sacks in the season. They, mm-hmm. they still only have five on the year through three games, but they, they got pressure to him. They got in his face. They, they, you know, Darnold has been throwing a ton of interceptions this year to a game because his fundamentals are, you know, neither here nor there. Um, so Iowa State has only given up one. So I think that is, that's a difference maker. That's a telling stat for me is if Texas can get to the quarterback – um, not leave, not leave your fate in the hands of the secondary that's been up and down. Um, get to the quarterback, get some pressure on him. You know, whether it's Wheeler, you know, whether it's Gary Johnson or, or, or Menahu or you know, whoever it may be, McCullough, the Shark, you know, is, is showing up on the stat sheet as well. Whoever that is, whoever that guy is, you've somebody's got to get in this quarterback's face. He's got to be able to, or he's got to be kept from from throwing uncontested passes at this point. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, I'm a little, little, I don't want to say envious, but, uh, Iowa State has a very good line and, in, in, in some depth on the line and they've played some players and they have some experience on there. I mean, Texas has talent, but we've seen injuries, you know, multiple in this year and, and, uh, 
we're going to see kind of uh, a very thin line come out and, and we're praying for no more injuries in that position. But Iowa State has, has some depth, but what they, what they, uh, they pass protect well. And when they run, they really rely heavily. I mean, I, I probably somewhere around 80% if you went and broke down the tape. Uh, of the running game uh, goes on the left side behind the, the tackling and guard there, and they've had a lot of success. Uh, so I'm hoping that uh, if if you and I can sit here and know that and look at that, that, uh, that Todd Orlando, who right now his stock is as high as it's ever been or ever maybe going to be after what he did with USC, I imagine a guy that smart and that talented is going to see that. And so they're going to be looking at that and, and crashing down uh, to stop that that run uh, over the left side of the line. Uh, maybe weak, weak side crashing or putting putting uh, putting a lot of pressure on that spot with our linebackers coming in there blowing up that, and also maybe that might lead to uh, pressure with like you said some of our skilled edge players or, or up the middle where we can get uh, on that quarterback. But I really don't uh, I don't want to sleep on on uh, Park Jacob Park is his name. He took over. Um, Enough that Lanning, Joel Lanning, who is the quarterback who uh, who was the QB, the dual threat QB in our embarrassing blowout two years ago where we lost twenty four to nothing, uh, he really was the guy that Texas couldn't stop. Um, they had a good run game, and and but he I think had close to two hundred yards passing and another seventy or eighty rushing, and ran kind of uh, the the dual threat look that that uh, did some damage. And uh, Jacob Park, a, a Georgia transfer. Um, has come in and actually not only taken the starting spot from him, but he has such a grip on that uh, that they actually moved Landing to middle linebacker. And uh, the funny thing is, is he's actually really doing well. And so that's one of those things uh, I'll be watching their defense to watch him because I love stories like that. Um, you know, it's, it's very, uh, Bill Snyder to take a quarterback and make him your middle linebacker. But, um, but he is actually, he's looking pretty good through a couple games, but uh, yeah, Jacob Park on, on that quarterback is he's got a little, little quickness back there and he's got a, got a big time arm. He's, he's kind of a little bit Joe Flacco-ish where the power exceeds the, the accuracy on the deep ball. Um, but you don't want to let your secondary sit back there. Uh, and I really think we haven't said his name yet on this, this podcast. We've referenced it, but David Montgomery, their running back, uh, is a threat. I mean, he's averaging, uh, the 20, 26th most yards per game, one behind, uh, Ronald Jones, the, the USC, uh, talent who we saw, um, and, and just, uh, I think four or five behind A&M's Travion Williams. Um, so I mean, he is a, a really legit, real deal threat. Um, so we need to, uh, the defense needs to really come and, and, and be looking for those things. But I think talent across the board, Texas going off the momentum they have, uh, last week and coming out of a bye week. I think that this has to be a win. And I think it's not that close. Maybe I think the line is at four and a half or something like that. And I think Texas comes out and, and sees a little more than that. I think this is a 10 to 14 point game for me. Um, my hope at least, what do you think, Joe? I think if Texas comes out and plays like they did against USC, I think it's a two score game. I think for sure, you know, 10 or 14. Um, I think if they come out and they struggle early on, I think Iowa state can hang, you know, 14 on you quickly and, and really jump out in front. And that's where that resiliency, that, that we need to see from this team comes in. So, so I think if Texas comes out with that fire like they did in the Coliseum, if they don't have this a weird letdown, which I don't know how you have a letdown with a week off, uh, you, you you don't you you're not better than anybody at this point. And I'm not. That's not a comment on talent. It's not a comment on anything. But you are what your record shows. And so you know this isn't a Texas from 2004 that can just roll anybody up on the on the field. That's not who you are at this point. You're 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 a decent team. You're you're a developing team. But you need to come out. And roll somebody. So back on subject, I think two scores if Texas comes out and plays like they should. I think maybe a tighter game. I think we have to put it in the hands of the kicker if it comes out slow. I do think this is a team that is built to 
better to have a comeback. I'll talk about it a little bit more in our bang the drum at the end, but I do think that two scores feels like a, a safe margin to call it at this point. Yeah, I, I, I like that, and I hope you and I don't uh, come back next week and say what, what fools we were to have some confidence, but uh, this is a new era, so we're hoping for uh, a new uh, mentality and um, kind of commitment to following through from this Longhorn team, and one guy just would be remiss not to talk about before we move out of uh, specifically Iowa State is they have a, a receiver, uh, Alan uh, Lazard, who uh, I I made a joke one time that his name, he sounds like a Pokemon and uh, like a Charizard <laughs> final evolution, Alan Lazard. And so I can't, I almost always default to saying his name incorrectly, so I had to pace myself. Alan Lazard um, is uh, is a beast. He's a, he's a Colin Johnson type. He's 6'5", 223, uh, pretty quick. Um, he roasted us a couple years ago. He had two touchdowns uh, against Iowa. Um, he's a, he's a red zone threat. He's he's going to be another one that uh, that's going to be an interesting matchup, and we'll see how how uh, how we line up on him. What what uh, safety, or if we're going to put uh, put a specific cornerback and kind of watch over to him because they have some talent at, at the other receiver positions. But he's the guy to really watch. Um, I think Park at quarterback um, and and Lazard at receiver. Uh, and then, of course, Montgomery at running back. That's a, that's the kind of three-headed monster we're going to be facing. And I just wanted to point out before we moved on that uh, that'll be a guy that I'm watching, and uh, we'll be really interested to see how we match up on that. And Iowa State is is crazy deep in in their skill positions offensively. I mean, you know, you've got Montgomery, who's a starter, who's starting over a, a two-year starter in uh, that's a junior in in Mike Warren and Ed. Yes, uh, you know they they are they are scary deep at their skill position. So I think at some point. Um, there is going to be, I think Texas is going to have to come out and shut him down. I think third downs, we, well, we haven't talked about it yet, but I think third downs are going to be huge. You know, Texas is, is 15th in the nation on, on third down stops defensively while Iowa state, um, it sits right in the middle at about 60, 63, I believe with, with about 40% on their conversion. So I think if Texas can, can get big third down stops, when it comes to the Big 12 play, it's a lot different than playing USC. If yeah. you get one or two third down stops, that's enough to win a game. Yep. Because you're going to keep scoring. That that is something big to keep an eye out for. Now I mentioned it off the top of the show. We are not just a Texas football podcast. We are a Texas sports podcast. You know, we we you and I when we were on the the campus, we went to our fair share of of. I won't call them random sports, but but different sports. You know, I I had the pleasure of covering the volleyball team for two seasons, and you know, you you were there as well, going I mean, women's basketball games, and you know, I even went to a, a swimming and diving event because it's a it's a fantastic team. So there are a couple things that we want to highlight. We'd be remiss not doing it before we go. Texas women's soccer is one of the hottest teams in the nation right now. They're coming off of a one nil upset over West Virginia. The number five team in the country. So the Texas women's soccer team is absolutely killing the game right now. They're the only undefeated and untied team in the country, which is just astounding. Good job, ladies. And then Texas volleyball as well is, is has become kind of a national powerhouse since, you know, the tail end of, of my tenure in there, you know, the, the, the mid early to mid two thousands, um, you know, they, they've really been on the come up. You know, we think about Destiny Hooker really turned that program around. Um, not really turned it around. They were, they were on the upward streak, but yeah. she was, she was the, the, the galvanizing force. I'll say that was, whew. but anywho, so. <laughs> 
Texas Volleyball on a three-game win streak. They they opened up Big 12 play with a 3-2 win over uh, West Virginia. So they're nationally ranked. Again, they are doing a fantastic job. They moved up to number five after that win. So the, I think the rankings, uh, I just Googled, I'll be honest, but just came out today. Uh, they are number five behind South Carolina, Stanford, North Carolina, and UCF. They are number five at 10-0. and 0. Good job, ladies. Big ups to the volleyball and soccer programs. You guys are just as important. So, Kyle, let's close it out this week with a little bang the drum. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Well, uh, you got you got me thinking just real quick. I, I know you covered women's sports, and I, I was an RA for the women's basketball team, and I covered women's golf uh, when I was in college. So, uh, we'll, we'll maybe have to make that a thing because, you know, I ride and die for the women's sports more than a lot of people. I remember uh, my dad coached uh, coached girls softball when his boys weren't young enough uh, to coach them yet, uh, just through the church leagues. I mean, women's sports are uh, are awesome, and UT happens to be one of the best schools in the country for it. So I love that we're doing that, by the way. Um, but to move into the bang the drum, um, I, I just the the one I wanted to just put a, a little stat again. I talked about him earlier, and I was going to save this, but David Montgomery. Um, he, uh, he's gone over, uh, four of his last six games, gone over a hundred yards, but actually leads the country in broken tackles, uh, this season. So, uh, again, against a tough Iowa defense, um, and, uh, he had an incredible game and really was one of the big reasons they were that close. And, uh, I've talked to a friend who went to Iowa and he, he literally said, I don't know how we didn't get that kid, uh, or how a big 10 team didn't, um, because he looks like a big 10 guy, maybe not Saquon Parkley because he's, Unbelievable and maybe the best, you know, running back in the country. Uh, but in that next tier right below that, he has that kind of game changing talent. He's shifty. He, uh, he can run the ball 30 times and, and, and look okay. He can break them, uh, big, but I think he had 36 broken tackle so far and, and the next closest person to him uh, is uh, is nine behind that so I mean he really right now is one of the hardest running backs in the country to tackle and one of the best running backs uh, in the league so I just wanted to kind of give him give him a little uh, a little love on that because that's a cool sad and, and again that's that's a really talented player who like you said is starting over a guy who has over a hundred yards on Texas two years ago in that blowout win is their backup running back. So, I mean, they have some, they have some depth and they have some talent in there. And, and, uh, I think Texas needs to, uh, needs to be careful and watch out for that. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, David, David Montgomery, uh, breaking ankles, uh, is, is the drum that I'm banging and banging it specifically so that the Texas secondary is aware and we are not adding to that because I think if the, the, the stat was flipped, and it was who has the most uh, whiffed tackles. Maybe not this year, but in years past, Texas secondary would be in the top five, top ten, somewhere in there. So That's that's a terrible stat, Kyle. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Now, so my bang the drum, it's probably not a surprise to anybody who's been listening for the last three weeks. But I was just looking at, at Iowa State's depth chart. And Colin Johnson has to go off this week. Like, there's no excuse for him not to. Tallest guy in that Iowa State secondary is their free safety, you know, Kamari Cotton Moya, who's a heck of a heck of a ball player, you know, four-year letterman playing playing for them. But after him, he's 6'2", so, so Kojo has, has four inches on him. After him, the next guy is, is six foot. And then you've got two corners that are 5'10 and 5'9". So at, at 6'6", you have got to go off. You have got to abuse your athleticism. You've got to abuse your height differential. You've got to high point the ball. You've got to beat him off the line. 
and especially whichever quarterback it is, whichever quarterback it is, if it's Bouchelle, he's going to be rusty. You've got to bail him out as his stud receiver. If it's Ellinger, we know you're his favorite target. This is his first Big 12 road game. And again, Big 12 road games are like playing in the solar system. You got you go to Stillwater and it's weird. You go to you go to you know Morgantown yep. and it's it is a completely new dimension. It's it's like an episode of Rick and Morty out there. It's just so nuts. So uh, that is that is what I'm saying is you, at, Colin Johnson needs to play and ball out on on Thursday if if the Texas offense is going to be up to what we expect it to be and what I think it has the potential to be. Well, thank you so much for listening in again this week. If you like what we do, it would really mean a ton if you would share this, leave a rating or review wherever you find it, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Uh, Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? I am at Kyle Carpenter on the Twitter machines, and I do the weekly Texas pre-gamer uh, over at Barking Carnival, so you should definitely check that out as well. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. If you're into nerd and pop culture news, you can check me out on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds. You can find the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod, which still is crazy that it was available when we got it. And you can email us at LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening in again this week. And until next time, thanks and hook okay. up.